You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we journey to 1987 and talk about three first-time watches with a special guest joining us. Hello, Sydney. Remember me? Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? Goob and me don't do castle rock. Sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. Always check your candy. They're here. Groovy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my horror notes where I talk all things of horror for the month of October. I'm joined with a special guest today. Todd, how you doing, man? Welcome to the B Show. <laughs> or the horror show, I meant. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. It's good to be on here. Like, becoming more of a horror fan, so this is going to be cool. Well, that, that's good, man. Well, welcome to the club. So that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, so we are uh, we came up with this idea having Todd kind of review some horror movies to, to get him in more into horror, which is awesome. We we brainstormed this at a bar, and I think it, it's going to work out pretty good. I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, the amount of uh, horror movies that I've seen that you haven't is is uh, pretty small. So uh, we had to scrounge <laughs> a little bit, but uh, I think we came up with a good one. Yeah, I'm really excited because this is 1987, and the, the, that's that's the movie we really were hinting at. This is the one that you suggested, called Angel Heart, with Robert De Niro and Mickey Rourke. I just watched, just finished watching right before I pushed the record button. I probably finished it like 15 minutes ago, so pretty excited to talk about it. I'm trying to compose my thoughts really quickly. Uh, but uh, this this episode is going to be pretty cool. 1987. Uh, this is all first time watches. So Evil Dead 2 is going to be a first time watch, and a movie called The Gate, which I've always been intrigued by, but never seen. It's like a teenage zombie movie. Uh, not, maybe not zombies. Hold on a second. Now that I say that, let me pull up IMDb real quick. Researching on the fly. There we go. But yeah, The Gate is going to be a pretty interesting one. A Stephen Dorff film. It looks like. Um, yeah, kids left alone accidentally unleash a horde of uh, demons from a mysterious hole in their suburban backyard. So there we go. That's what that's going to be about. It's going to be pretty cool. Excited for it. Before we jump into our movie reviews, make sure you guys check the show notes down below to find out where all these films are streaming so you can join in the spooky fun that we're having right now. We always start with our headline review, and that is going to be Evil Dead 2, so Todd will join us in a few after I share my thoughts on Evil Dead 2. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is a Sam Raimi-directed film, and it's written by Sam Raimi and Scott Spiegel, and stars Bruce Campbell, Sarah Barry, Dan Hicks, Casey Wesley DePava, and Ted Raimi himself as well. Now, Evil Dead 2, I don't know why I've never seen this film. It's one of those sequels that I have not seen from the Evil Dead franchise. I've seen the first one. I've seen Army of Darkness, which is the third film. And I have seen the Fidi Alvarez remake, Evil Dead, that came out in 2013. 
Don't know why I've ever, never seen Evil Dead 2. Now it's I'm really happy to say that I have seen it. I have checked it off my bucket list of movies to watch. And damn, I'm so hyped about this movie. This movie was a lot of fun to watch. Man, this packed so much things that I really enjoyed about uh, kind of this horror genre. And even the, the series in general. Uh, just it's a really fun franchise that makes me want to go back and rewatch them. I know a couple movies are celebrating anniversaries next year. I might have to revisit them just to uh, talk about them because they're really cool. Evil Dead Two comes in at a hundred and one hour and twenty four minutes. Super fast watch, and it jumps right into the action. Absolutely loved it. The synopsis here on IMDb: It's a comedy horror film. Uh, the lone survivor of an onslaught of flesh possessing spirits holds up holds up in a cabin with a group of strangers while the demons continue their attack. It's like a better revamped version of the first film. It kind of takes place at the, the same same uh, time frame shortly after the first film. And I gotta say, I absolutely loved what Sam Raimi did for this film. He has a way with him working with Bruce Campbell and delivering some really fun, quirky scares and the scares here are still effective many years later there were signs where like oh it's like oh crap that what <laughs> the hell i love the overuse of blood the over exaggeration of some of these kills were just fantastic i was eating up the the eating up everything in this film the practical effects played really well there are some minor cgi stuff but I'm completely overlooking that stuff because the practical effects are so amazingly done. The iconic laughing sequence with the deer and Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell going nuts. Fantastic stuff there. Bruce Campbell's electric in this movie. And I wanted to see more. And it makes me want to watch more of this franchise again. And Evil Dead 2, I think, is going to be a mainstay every Halloween to rewatch because it is fantastic. Even my wife was having a lot of fun with the movie. I think of my some of my favorite moments. There was a scene where a uh, lady got her eye like popped out of her head and went into another person's mouth. There was like blood squirting everywhere. The laughing sequence we made, uh, talking trees. It, it's a bonkers film from start to finish, but it's damn effective, man. It is uh, some really a lot of fun. It's probably the most fun I've had watching a film I've never watched before in this series, and I've seen some really good ones, and one that we're going to talk about in a second as well, but. But Evil Dead 2 is on a whole different playing field. It is so such a um, hyperactive movie is probably a good word. It's uh, super fast paced. That hour and twenty four minutes flies by, man. Like I could probably see another twenty extra minutes of this movie. Maybe even making this a two hour movie. I think that's what the uh, twenty thirteen movie was. It was like a two hour film, and that was a more serious uh, film, which was still super effective. But there's some really funny stuff that happens in this movie that is really effective and really fun and just a really enjoyable experience overall. I'm really upset with myself for never being able to watch the, this movie before. I think really everything worked for me. It's really a kind of a perfect movie and I can see myself just really enjoying it for years to come. I can definitely see it where I, I want to rewatch it more and more and get more of that evil deadness to me. To me, too. I know Sam Raimi uh, just did Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and he's known primarily as a horror, uh, a horror director. That's what he known was known for before, like the Spider-Man movies. So I'm gonna go dive into his filmography real quick. We're gonna see his acting credit, or not acting credits, his directing credits here. He's done 39 films. 
Uh, let's see here. So we're going to go down to the bottom. What was his, uh, let's see what some movies he's done here that I've heard of. Uh, he's had a bunch of short films. His first real one looks like in 1985. No, no, no. 19, or 1977 was It's Murder. And 81 came out The Evil Dead. And then we have Evil Dead 2 in 87. Uh, Dark Man, which I believe is a Liam Neeson movie that came out in 1990. And then Army of Darkness is 92. So that one's celebrating an anniversary this year. Uh, let's see what else movie we have. Uh, For the Love of the Game, that's a good, really good one. And then we have the Spider-Man movies. He had three years in a row of Spider-Man. Then he goes back to his horror roots of Drag Me to Hell, which that's a really, uh, I actually really enjoy that one quite a bit. And then he hasn't really done a whole lot. He did uh, Oz the Great and Powerful in 2013, which I'm not a big fan of that. And then he did some Ash versus the Evil Dead. Now, I haven't seen Ash vs. the Evil Dead, but I heard it's a really cool show. And I, I love how the... Um, with that show, they also made an Ash First Evil Dead video game, I believe. So you can play as Ash and go in and kill, you know, <laughs> evil, if you will. And I really fun. Uh, for, I, I haven't played the game, but I heard it's pretty fun. But it's I, I love how it's the Evil Dead franchise is, is never dying, it seems like, because there's always some new stuff coming because there's a big cult following with it. I think Bruce Campbell has something to do with that as well. Um, speaking of Sam Raimi here, I think his after Ash and the Evil Dead, he did one episode of that in 2015, and he's done some other shorts, films, and some TV shows. Um, and then he's done Doctor Change the Multiverse and Madness, Madness this year. And he's got a couple other things in the work, and I think I heard maybe he's doing Fantastic Four. I don't know what what's going on there, but um, Sam Raimi, just really great director that was able to capture lighting in a bottle with this film. I think it's such such a enjoyable movie that makes me want to go back and rewatch it because I, I ne- never one point was I ever like bored by it and just super entertained by it throughout the whole runtime. I, I think the franchise know or this movie knows what it, what it's about and what it wants to do, what what it wants to uh, embody, and it, it's it plays to its strengths and it knows exactly what it is and doesn't sway from that. Uh, going down to the box office here, it did come out March thirteenth, nineteen eighty seven. And the budget of this movie, wow, would never have guessed the budget of that movie. The budget is only uh, $3,600,000. Holy cow. I guess it is kind of really self-contained, and it's really um, really self-contained. I just thought the the effects and the practical effects would be a lot more, but that just proves that they are using the budget to the fullest extent and uh, made a classic movie. Made a classic movie. The, the box office here, though, is, is really low. It's only it only made almost six. It all it almost made six million dollars. So it just barely made its money back. So I, I'm so happy that Army of Darkness did um, get made. Uh, get made, and it's surprising that the studio would maybe greenlight a movie like that. Granted, that man, that looking at the budget of that movie too, it just that movie was made with a lot bigger budget and it just made its budget back. So these Evil Dead movies did not look like they're um, financial successes, but it looks like there's the cult following and the fans really clamoring for them that really pushed this franchise to where it's at today. Which props to people who know a good thing when they see it and not something at the in the box office. The box office numbers don't sew it. I'm just glad the studio decided to make it so uh let's, let's go to the awards here academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films got three nominations here got best horror film best makeup and best special effects nominations there uh 
They also got a fan, Fantasporosh, pro, uh, sorry, Fantasporto nomination for Best Film for Sam Raimi. And there's also another Catalonia International Film Festival got Best Nomination for Best Film also for Sam Raimi. I'm really at a tough spot where I want to put this because I really love the film a lot. And I, I'm i giving it three and a half stars. You know what? No. I really have no issues with this movie. I'm giving this four stars. This is a damn great movie. It's an amazing film. And I'm really hyped about it, maybe. Four stars is where I'm going to fall with this. It kind of tosses up my whole, throws out my whole 1987 list out the window. Before this film... My 1987 list only contained one four-star movie, and that was Wall Street, another film that I watched for the very first time this year. I really loved Wall Street. I think that's still going to be my favorite film of 1987, but Evil Dead, falls. it's going to fall at number two currently with a four-star review there. Uh, my top five, like I said, this whole top ten got thrown out the window because there's some movies that I had rewatched or gone planning on rewatching this year. Um, before the, the year's out, and I really love those iconic movies like Lethal Weapon and Predator. I ra- raised my star rating on Predator, and I kind of really love Predator a lot, and I want to move that one up now, too. My top 10, Terry, is going to be completely changed. Who knows? At the end of the episode, I, you know what? I'm just going to throw in my top 10 rating of 1987 as well, so uh, stay tuned for that in a second, but Oh, man, Evil Dead 2, what a great watch. If you haven't seen it, make sure you guys check it out as soon as possible. Have some fun. It is a groovy time. Okay, now let's ha- let's, re- let's bring Todd back in here, and let's talk about Angel Heart. Sorry, Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro. Mr. Angel, my client, Monsieur Louis Sattler. Do you by chance remember the name Johnny Favorite? My interest is only in finding out if he's alive or if he's dead. You want me to check it out? I'm a private detective paid to snoop around. He's dead, Mr. Angel. Well, you know what they say about slugs. They always leave slime in their tracks. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm a murder suspect already in two cases. Did you kill him? No, but the cops might think I did. The Prince of Darkness protects the powerful. The egg is the symbol of the soul. Did you know that? I have a feeling I've met you before. All right. So now it is time to review Angel Heart. Todd, welcome back, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, so you suggested this film. So how about you introduce the kind of what's this movie about? Uh, so, yeah, Mickey Rourke is a star of this. He plays a guy named Harry Angel, and he's a private investigator, and he's hired by this guy named Louis Cipher played by Robert De Niro, uh, to find this man named Johnny Favorite. And so... He goes from his home in New York to New Orleans, uh, trying to track him down, uh, kind of finding the people that he had last seen. 
he finds out that he was in like a hospital for psychiatric reasons. He comes across his former lover played by Charlotte Rampling and some like bizarre cults and uh, his potential like daughter, I guess, played by Lisa Bonet. And the movie doesn't, it obviously it doesn't really sound like a horror movie because it kind of has this like slow buildup, like film noir kind of feel that I think is pretty brilliant, but it lulls you into letting your guard down because it does get pretty freaking weird uh, <laughs> as it, as it goes along. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. It doesn't have like it doesn't sound like a horror film. It's definitely like a film noir. But there's those horror elements, and some of the movies the first time watches I found like cat people from a few weeks it has those horror elements and horror themes, and like anything like voodoo and this deals with like Satan and like a bunch of religious themes elements here. It's definitely a place into those horror tropes, and it's kind of a, definitely a good mystery thriller thing. And Mickey Rourke is freaking phenomenal in this movie. Definitely loved his performance yeah. in this movie a lot yeah i think then, Rourke uh, is is great because he's he's kind of playing against type honestly it's it's sort of it has this like eight millimeter or like sounds of the lambs kind of thing where it's like a guy investigating and getting deeper into uncovering something that was way bigger than he expected and Rourke doesn't really come off as that kind of actor ever but i i, I think as the movie goes along he looks like he's like been through the ringer which is perfect for that part <laughs> but it, it's, it's really not his kind of role that he would normally be playing. Yeah, that's a brilliant point. I definitely got that for those vibes too. It's it, he has such a charisma to him too that he was able. He kind of it's kind of brilliant casting, even though it's it kind of against type in in a way. And seeing his progression from this this guy who just like just deals with insurance stuff, going to this voodoo, dark black magic type of world in Louisiana, and he's afraid of chickens, which I think is a, a brilliant weakness for a character. It's pretty awesome. Uh, seeing him go through, like you said, the ringer of everything that's of this movie takes place, and it's rather brilliant. And I don't really see the ending coming. And when it's like the last like ten minutes of the movie, it's like holy cow, what what just happened? What it kind of everything turns on its head type of thing yeah it uh it sneaks up on you in that way because it's like i don't know i i feel like the editing in the movie is a little off so it it, it is able to totally kind weird. of kind of take take you off guard uh when especially when we get to the end but the music is always it's so piercing it's so kind of perfect and i mean this is it's like light horror but it's like grotesque and bizarre so i mean it, it where it goes eventually is like full-on like horrific things like more yeah. than more so even than like if you would say seven or something like that yeah which would be probably some sort of relative of this movie that's a pretty good comparison though because that is kind of I, I would consider that kind of a noir film it's like a detective with like some of the really like horror elements in, in a way uh and there's definitely some brutality here in the editing i like how you mentioned that it kind of plays with what's real and what's not real because you're like, is this in his head? What's what's actually going on? How things are pieced together? And I was actually curious about it, the editing too, what they did during the credits. And I kind of fast forward some stuff. And there's actually like footage of him just riding an elevator through the credits all the way through, which is uh, pretty interesting <laughs> how they piece that together. I guess it's the first uh, MCU stole from Angel Heart, maybe putting stuff in the credits. Who knows? Uh, but it's 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 rather fascinating this kind of world, and makes me actually want to go back and maybe read the novel at some point. Because uh, this is based off a book, and uh, let's jump into the IMDb page here, real quick. This movie is directed by Alan Parker, and it is written by Alan Parker for the screenplay, and it's also William uh, Georgeberg is uh, um, who wrote the novel of Fallen Angel. 
And yeah, like you said, like all-star cast with Mickey Rourke, Robert De Niro, Lisa Bonet, and Charlotte Rambling. Totally didn't Nero's realize that was chewing up the scenes in this. Like he's he's totally just doing his thing, just loving being a weird character actor. Because it was the same year that he was in The Untouchables playing uh, oh, yeah. Al Capone, and like it, it was a really cool spot in his career where he didn't really care. He was just gonna he was gonna ham it up, and it was awesome. They're just gonna sit there and all he doesn't have to really do much, just have like how to act with long fingernails. That's pretty much what he has to do. It's pretty awesome. He had that really smug charisma to him, too. It's a uh, pretty dang, uh, pretty dang awesome. <laughs> he just is kind of just having a blast here. This is cool. I'm just gonna be the devil himself. <laughs> type of thing. Lisa Bonet is awesome in this, too. She's like uncomfortably sexy in this, like, it's one of the sexiest yeah. characters I've ever seen. Yeah, that is, that is true. That that's one of my things about the movie that it was like it felt really uncomfortable, especially when she revealed how old she was. And it's like, uh, okay, definitely probably would not have uh, been something that would be okay for today, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but I was like, that kind of brings it to that those elements where, I guess in a way, it's kind of like that old boy kind of realm where it's like, oh, okay. it makes you feel uncomfortable because of. Granted, I still haven't seen the original Old Boy. That's going to be for next year. Uh, but the whole the twist and reveal in Old Boy it's definitely made me feel uncomfortable because of what that re- it reveals. It kind of, in a way, has that kind of s- same tension there, I guess. Um, that's true. Yeah. Uh, that's, is there anything that, that after we were watching it, because you've seen it before, was there something that's like, ah, I didn't, this kind of didn't like where it went this way or anything like that? uh i don't know i mean i i think it's a it's a pretty solid movie but the only thing i it does have spots where it does lull and, and which is why i just think that it, it is just kind of pieced together a little strange but i don't i don't know if that's by design or not but it's just i don't think it is the most exciting movie to watch especially because like the first like hour or so is it could be a slog if you're expecting an actual horror movie that is the yeah, that's a good point that's kind of what i was and I guess I have to go back to the one movie that this kind of reminded me most of is the Cat People movie I watched a few weeks ago. Yeah, it is. I was expecting kind of a horror creature feature type of thing, and it was definitely different. It was slower. That felt like a really slow moving movie. However, Angel Heart, for whatever reason, maybe it's the actors involved and everything, I thoroughly enjoyed the investigation of this film. So I, I can understand the lolling, lolling part, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. This is actually a I'm debating. It's a, this is a three star film or a three and a three and a half star. Like it's it's in my top ten so far of this that eighty seven, um, and I think I have I, I still have to piece that together. So we'll we'll see where it falls. But yeah, I, I really I was thoroughly entertained by the movie, and it does give you kind of everything you want in a in a noir horror thriller type of way too. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. It's, it's one yes. I hadn't seen in a long time, so it was, it was fun to revisit. Then I, I don't think I've ever seen a Rourke movie uh, when he's this young. So I think obviously I've seen The Wrestler, and then Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I've seen quite a bit, and I, uh, now I've seen. I've definitely seen other Mickey Rourke movies, but those anything like '90s and lower. I don't know if I can't really put a finger on if I've seen him or not in those movies. So seeing him such in a young like charisma driven Rourke it's it's pretty fascinating it was awesome yeah he was he was the the young Brando in the 80s he was in all these movies like the Pope of Greenwich Village and Diner and I mean he was he was like the the guy until he sort of like screwed it up and wanted to become a boxer in the 90s (laughs) 
Yeah, that that is true. That the whole boxing. Uh, I think we we brought up some of his boxing and wrestling stuff when we talked about the wrestler right. back then. That our my favorite deep dive we've ever done. Uh, but the yeah, Mickey Rourke chewing up the scenery. He definitely had that Brando charisma, which is awesome. Yeah, he, the Diner was one of those movies I put down on my must watch list too, or at least my anniversary watch list that I need to do. So I have to check that one out still. All right, so. Any other little thoughts, nitbits you want to put out there before we hit to the budget and all that fun stuff? Uh, not really. Not really. Okay, we're moving on. This movie did come out on March 6, 1987 in the box office. Or let's go to the budget first. How much do you think this movie was made for? Unless you've already seen it. <laughs> the what was the, what, the budget? I It had to be like $20 million or something. Close. It was a $17 million and I'm not 100% sure it got a worldwide gross because it says gross U.S. Canada, and it's the same number as the worldwide gross. So that's kind of interesting. Huh. Best guess what, how much it made worldwide. Um, <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. $30 million. Yeah. 17.1. It just barely made its budget back. Yeah, it's $17,186,000 and some change, I guess, so. I guess that doesn't surprise me that it that it would that it actually lost money then. Yeah, yeah, that it maybe that's why right here on this these photos on IMDb it's it's being sold in a combo pack. It's a Legends Blu-ray pack and has the Expendables logo on it, and it says Angel Heart and Johnny Handsome. That's the the combo pack it's being sold with on this IMDb photo. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah, with Morgan Freeman, Johnny Handsome. I never even heard of that movie. That's I've never heard of it either. Johnny Handsome, future deep dive. Okay, <laughs> come to the staple that rather. Yeah, it did get nominated for some awards here. That's the it got four uh, four nominations, six two wins. Oh, there we go. Gotta love it. Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. It got a couple nominations there, which is awesome. It got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Robert De Niro, Best Supporting Actress for Lisa Bonet and Oponet, and Best Writing for Alan Parker. No Mickey Rourke nomination. I like the other nominations for sure. Uh, but yeah, pretty cool. I, I love seeing these horror film nominations here. So it also, uh, the, it got nominated for a Jupiter Award for Best International Actor for Mickey Rourke for a prayer. For the dying, I don't understand how a prayer for the dying got in this category. Um, but it, it's for both this and a prayer for dying. So it's like it, a, a combo of the two because he must have had a really that they. Oh, okay. Assume that that was a good year of him having that other movie I've never heard of. Yeah, there we go. We're just finding more stuff to watch. Um, it also got a Turkish Film Critics Association nomination for Best Foreign Film. Got fifth place in that, I guess. That's and also, fantastic. Yeah, there we go. And a, a Young Artist Award winner. This actually won for Lisa Bonet for Best Young Female Actress in a Motion Picture. So, uh, Lisa Bonet had a great year for this movie. Got a uh, Mickey Rourke a winner and Lisa Bonet a winner. So young female superstar in Thailand. She, she was 20 when this movie came out. I'm not really sure what makes that it's still young. She, I don't know when the, maybe there's no cutoff on those. Maybe, maybe they just, they need some extra people for 87, I guess. But yeah, that's a, uh, fascinating I, I like seeing the the science fiction horror i, I didn't even like that's a great uh, 
science fiction, fantasy, and horror. That's just like encompasses uh, embodies like every all those different like basically everything that doesn't that, get in at the Oscars. <laughs> pretty much, basically. I love seeing those get those nominations, but pretty cool. You got get nominated for some cool stuff, and it's definitely deserving of a watch. I, like I said, it's like three three star movie, three and a half. It's kind of depending. I, it makes me want to watch it because it's kind of like the noir film. So I like those kind of mysteries. So it's definitely worth a watch, guys. So definitely check that out. And I think it was streaming on some platforms. Make sure you guys check the show notes for that because I forgot to mention that in our opening. But it is streaming on Hoopla and Pluto TV, it looks like. As, I think it's on Paramount Plus. I think that's what I watched it on. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Amazon Prime. That's where I watched it on. I don't. I need to update my notes because this was from a few weeks ago. I wrote that. So, <laughs> just read. Look at the show notes. That's where you guys can find that. So, all right. Well, awesome. Thank you for joining me on this review, Todd. I appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure. Take it easy, buddy. All right, and now we're moving on to the gate. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. And now, someone has opened the gate. There's this weird tearing sound there. The decomposed corpse of her dead father. Oh no. He's tearing out hair by the hands. I'm calling the police. You got demons. All right, our final review of the day is The Gate, directed by Tibor Takis and written by Michael Natkin and stars a very young Stephen Dorff, Krista Denton, Louis Tripp, Kelly Rowan, Jennifer Irwin, and Deborah Grover. And this film, it was one that I remember seeing at, like, FYI, and I remember seeing at Best Buy every once in a while. They've had some cool, like, Steelbook box sets. Not box sets, but steel Steelbook Blu-rays for this movie. And it has a really cool poster that I really like on IMDb, too. So I've always been intrigued by this movie, but never having watched it. And it's always been on my watch list. So when I found out that this movie was an 87 movie, I was like, well... I got to add this on to this episode. And it was an interesting watch. It's an hour and 25 minutes. So everything I said about Evil Dead 2, about that runtime, about, they're about the same running time. Evil Dead 2 seemed to go really fast, and I wanted more of it. The gate was definitely a different change of pace on its pacing. The synopsis on IMDb, it says it's a fantasy horror film. 
Kids left home alone accidentally unleash a horde of malvoyant demons from a mysterious hole in their suburban backyard. Alright, so the gate does introduce us to a very young Stephen Dorff. I actually didn't realize that was him for the longest time until I was reading on IMDb. I was like, oh yeah, that is him. I really know that actor from Blade. He plays Deacon Frost in that film with the Wesley Snipes version in the 90s. Uh, the one, the movie that did save Marvel, however. So, he was really good in Blade. Did not realize that was him as a young child actor. And I did some more researching as after I finished the film. They made a second film. They didn't bring back the original this original kid. They focused on the side character, uh, Glenn's friend, who is play, his name is Timmy or Terry, sorry, played by Louis Tripp. And Louis Tripp only has played in two movies: The Gate and The Gate Two. Uh, so very interesting. And I also did some more digging on this director, Tybor Takis. Uh, another just. Kind of knows his genre of films. He's done a, a bevy of a, a different movies here. He's done 50 films, TV movies, and uh, theater theatrical releases. Nothing like super big. I think The Gate's probably what he's known for the most. He did The Gate and The Gate 2, but he's also done like a bunch of a TV movie called Ice Spiders and Mega Snake and Meteor Storm was another TV movie he's done. Uh, let's see what other... Oh, then he has this random some Christmas movies, A Christmas Miracle. It's a Christmas Eve, Rocky Mountain Christmas, The Christmas Aunt. So he has some horror films, like some monster movies, and then he has some Christmas movies. He's kind of all over. Oh, there's a movie right there called Tornado Warning. And in 2003, he has Killer Rats. Once There's some more TV Christmas movies. Jeez Louise, this guy, uh, yeah. Christmas movies and monster movies. Very interesting filmography there. Anyway. Let's get back to the gate. When we're first introduced to these characters, uh, Glenn wakes up from a dream and his treehouse did fall down by a lightning storm. And that's where like this giant hole in the ground is. Uh, it's from, they find these like rocks. Uh, him and his friend Terry find this rock that has some like crystallization there. And there's kind of like, oh, cool. This is kind of cool. And it, it, it tries to have like the Goonies kind of vibe to it. It's very like not Goonies at all. Uh, it kind of as they slowly kind of unravel there, there could be some evil to this hole. And Terry even goes to the point where there's this rock band that he really likes that uh, if you play it back, the soundtrack backwards, the, I don't know, if you listen to the soundtrack, the song lyrics are telling you how to open the gates to this uh, this demonic uh, gate that's in this hole. And if you play it backwards, if show, the, play the record backwards, you can see how to seal the gate. Very conspiracy theorists that we've, I've heard that stuff. So you play records backwards, it, it's like a songs to the devil type of thing. I, I don't know. The gate, however... It takes a long time to get going. Like the ending when the, the finally finally see the demons, there's like maybe like 30 minutes left of the movie. But getting to that point, it does take a long time. And it feels like it's a lot longer. And it's only an hour and 25 minutes. So that is kind of a negative for me. Also, re-watching these films and watching movies for the very first time, what I've really noticed is there is quality levels of characters the gate for me all three of our main kids characters are very unlikable um, and it's based on how they're written they're uh, very 
kind of cliched and uh, just uh, very unlikable characters. And this family dynamic here is completely different from a movie like Poltergeist. The family dynamic, I spoke about that a couple weeks ago, that there's a really tight bond between the family members where you even the child actors give really good performances because they're really well written. These ones that are not really well written, it's... Uh, I don't I don't know what was going on, but for me, it's not something that I was I, I even cared about any of the characters. So I didn't really care if anything was happening to them. Uh, all the friend, there's a bunch of uh, teenagers that are friends with uh, Glenn's older sister, who's kind of like their babysitting the, um, the Glenn, and they come over for a party, which I called the party sequence right away. And a lot of the friends are just uh, teenage drama queens. And just, again, unlikable characters from start to finish. The When the, the, the demonic forces do happen, that's where the movie gets kind of entertaining, even though I don't really care what's happening to the uh, the kids themselves. But it, seeing these, like, demons on screen, they're, they're done really well. So the effects for 87 are pretty dang good. The CGI nature stuff isn't there for this movie. That is glaringly bad, but the stop motion effects are really good. So it's kind of I, I do give it props for that. It has a pretty good score. It does it does try to have that kind of Goonies esque vibe uh, with the kids trying to be um, kind of smart and try to solve what's going on with this demonic gate. However, I'm just left wanting kind of more a, a little better movie. People who may have watched this in '87 might be nostalgic for it. But watching for the first time, it's something that my my excitement level for the movie, based off the poster and kind of like hearing the synopsis, I wanted to like it a lot more. And in the end, I'm kind of only giving it a two-star film. I'm kind of graciously giving it a two-star. My wife, I think, gave it like a one and a half. But for me, I, I can enjoy some of the practical nature of some of the for, um, the effects near the back half of the movie, but that it just takes, it takes a long time to get there. So this is one that... If you have it and you're interested in it, give it a watch. You may like it a lot more than I do. But for me, I'm just left wanting a lot more from it. And I'm kind of just bummed out after watching it. And at one point, I think I was like, I don't even care what getting to the ending part. I was like, I'm kind of over it. I just I want to see what's going on. I just do not like the characters. And that really took me out of it. I was kind of bummed out about that. Uh, but going to the... I will say one thing before I go to the box office. That if this movie does get a remake and a better writer, could be very interesting. And then I'll probably be on board. This is a movie that I think that if it gets the backing, could be a very interesting remake. Who knows? It did come out on May 15th, 1987. The box office, it was made in Canada, it looks like, for I guess roughly about $2.5 million. And the gross worldwide made it made like thirteen point five million. So it did make its budget back. So I can understand why it got a sequel here. And let's go to the awards. I did see it get some kind of nominations. So let's take a look here. Uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films got nomination nominee nomination for best performance by a younger actor for Stephen Dorff. Uh, Genie Awards for uh, it was a winner here for. Andres Harmon and John Kermy for a Golden Reel Award. The Young Artist Awards, it won for Best Young Actress in a Horror Motion Picture for Krista Denton, and it got another nomination for Stephen Dorff there as well. So, 
that is where I kind of really stand on the gate. I kind of left wanting more. And I think right now it has a 6.0 on IMDb with 18,000 votes. So it's staying strong right there. Left wanting more. It could have been a lot better. I think if it a better writer, maybe a director's hands too. It could, it could be a little better. And yeah, just kind of disappointed with this one. But something if you're interested, give it a watch. Especially if you find it for shaming for free. Probably the best idea. And currently, I think this falls at number 25 of my 1987 list. I've only seen 30 movies that year. So another the back half. And some of these movies, like, I don't remember the first Hellraiser that much. So I have it ranked a little bit for the first Hellraiser. Need to rewatch that movie. Uh, but anyway, our top 10 list. Let's jump into that real quick for 1987. Number 10, I have Dirty Dancing. Number 9, Robocop. Number 8, Angel Heart. 7, Princess Bride. Six, Predator. Five, Lethal Weapon. Four, Good Morning Vietnam. Three, Full Metal Jacket. Two, Evil Dead 2. And number one, Wall Street. Well, that is my uh, review for 1987 horror films. Really cool episode. I, I really liked what we watched. I liked Pieces of the Gate. I wanted to like that movie a lot better. But it was really cool to watch three films for the very first time with a fresh pair of eyes. Really enjoyed Angel Heart. Really enjoyed Evil Dead 2. Really loved having Todd on the episode. Todd will be back next week where we talk about Trick or Treat from 2007. I will also be reviewing Eraserhead from 77 and The Last House on the Left, the OG like Last House on the Left from 1972. Uh, because we're almost a Halloween, so I'm trying to throw some really classic horror films in there that are celebrating anniversaries and not be bogged down by the uh, 80s and above type of moniker that I've been doing. But anyway, really excited for that next week. And also be expecting the birth of my second child, too. too. So uh, we will get these episodes out. I will. St we're still going to be watching movies. We're still reviewing stuff for Daily Notes. Really excited for what's to come. And yeah, go watch some horror films and have a good evening.